Welcome back to another episode of Excuse My Grandma. It's Kim and my co-host. Grandma Gail. Best co-host in podcast history. Oh, I love Unlike, you too. <laughs> you know, there's been major uh, fights between podcast hosts, especially the whole Call Her Daddy podcast. I think I've told you about that was earlier this year. But Why the are they bi- fighting? Well, now it's only one girl. It's like the biggest pod dating podcast out there. I don't think you would like to listen to it, though, because it's very raunchy. But it was these two girls. They, when it came down to, like, renewing their contract with Barstool, they, one of them wanted to ask for more money. It all came down to money, and one of their boyfriends was, like, pushing for more. In the it's deal. always about money. Yeah. It's about money, whether you're talking about marriage, whether you're talking about a job, or whatever it is, it seems to always come down to the big dollar signs, which is really too bad, but that's mm-hmm. just the reality of it all. Yeah. So what what eventually happened? They only One won- of them only proceeded in the podcast, and now she just got a $60 million oh. deal. Well, why doesn't Spotify. somebody give us a $60 million deal and I'll <laughs> retire and then you can continue? <laughs> that would be very good. <laughs> $60 million to do what? To talk about dating? Yep. Oh, my gosh. Then we're worth at least $120 because <laughs> there are two of us. True. <laughs> this is ridiculous. True. We'll take it up with Spotify. Okay. All right. Sounds good. What else is happening in the, in the world of entertainment? Mm. Has anybody gone to a movie? I haven't. Uh, I feel like actually, you know, I used to be so in tune with what was going on in entertainment since I was a reporter. It was part of my job. I'm less so involved now, but I know, you know, the Met Gala was this past week, the VMAs. There was a lot going on. Yeah, I think actually the Tony Awards are... are, are out on the 24th so uh, that'll be interesting because it's two years it's two years since there's been a show or 18 months wait i forgot to tell you i watched white lotus oh oh let's discuss why we can discuss it but i still might cut things out for people who haven't listened to it well just the characters aren't they i mean they're so great you can see it was the worst show ever oh no i loved it no it it was really painful well i don't think listen there there are times i'm like okay it's like the show's well made didn't love the writing the actors are obviously great but honestly i that honeymoon couple and the mother coming in the middle of the honeymoon. Yeah. I mean, it was just, that was silly. But I don't you could see his character. He was so selfish and so full of himself. Mm-hmm. And then the poor girl was the nice, she was the sweetest girl. And she didn't know what she got the, into. Yeah. You know what, though? Like, I just really felt that it wasn't a comedy. Like, I didn't, what? I could see there It was, was a black comedy. Yeah. It was a black, a it was a comedy. dark comedy. It really was. I and guess. I just didn't really laugh. Oh, well, I, I thought, well, I don't know if a lot of it was laughable. It was just sort of painful, actually. It was just dramatic and sad. Like, oh, I was watching it. I was like, I'm just depressed now. Well, it, it can. It look, what, and the mom, who's, uh, who was She's a good so mother. Good. Um, she was terrific. She was, what's her? Oh, do you know? oh, wait, who are you talking about? The mother oh, of, the, of the children. the one who was kind of supposed to be like Gwyneth Paltrow. Like goop. Right, yes, yes. Um, no, I was thinking I love the woman with the ashes. What's her oh, name? Oh, she's terrific. Jennifer I, Coolidge. Yeah, she's great. She's great. She always plays this. She's <laughs> When she couldn't throw the ashes into the ocean, oh and she gosh, hated the so mother funny. anyway. She couldn't part with her, but she hated her. But she loved her in her own way. It was just the whole thing. I guess it was. so many different dimensions. Yeah. If you really you really have to think There was just through. not one likable character. No, there's not. Maybe the girl who was. No, the girl. But then she sold herself at the end, too, right. because she ended up going back with him. Yeah, we're going to have to cut all. 
all this. I feel bad. No, don't feel bad. If they haven't watched Lotus already, it's too late already. It's there's some a new program going to be on uh, Netflix by no, next week. Probably. It's so interesting to see what gets trendy at what times. Well, I love that clickbait. Yeah, I got to watch that. That still. was that was exciting, but that was a different kind of thing. That was that was all. First of all, you would like it more than I did because I was so mixed up with all the phones. Yeah, and it's all you know stuff about the computers. So right. uh, certainly for the millennials, that's right up their alley to watch that kind of show. Yeah. Okay. So should we start talking about our topic of the episode? If we must. <laughs> If we must, I know where where we're going today. So sometimes it can be it can be depressing, or, but it has to be discussed. I mean, that's that's the thing. I know a lot of your friends now are at the point where they're getting engaged and they're thinking about their life together as couples. Well, right. And if they are getting married, then do they need a prenup? All these legal things come in. The episode today is about divorce. We're bringing in a a big divorce lawyer. I feel like everyone in New York has used her. Yeah, no, she's she's a very good she's a very good lawyer actually. And mm. and she's a very nice person. She's a very nice person. Yes. So I think she cares about her clients in the in, she's just not in it for the buck. Mm-hmm. She really wants uh, the best for couples. Yeah. And uh, the advice that she might give us might be surprising. Who knows? Yeah. Well, my thing is like I growing up was never really scared of or at least in when I was dating people, I don't have a fear of like commitment and divorce. Like I know a lot of people who come from divorced families. I think that's the big have difference. Have that fear right. in them? Like it's never something that I really thought about. But and that I doesn't don't think mean you, though. I don't think you should think about it. I mean the all, I mean you know you go into a relationship hoping it's going to last forever. Mm. But like a lot of people say, nothing lasts forever. Right. So well, when you come from a divorced family, you've seen it not work. So I feel like then you. So when you see something happen, then you could see how it could happen to you. And I think you're a little more wary and might be a little more guarded. Um, well, a little more receptive to the prenup. But the pr- right. uh, but it's very interesting, and I'm I'm curious to see who sh- she suggests should have a prenup because I don't think it's it's uh, it's universal. Yeah. Well, do you think that most couples? At some point, let's say you're married for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, like at one point think like I should get a divorce. Every couple. Yeah. I don't think anybody, unless they're lying and they're saying every day is idyllic. I think on any given year, there are some years that can be very stressful. Yeah. And uh, it might go through your mind, oh gosh, I would be much better on my own. But then the good things usually outweigh the negative and you rethink it. Um, However, uh, you know, um, divorce is a serious issue. And so many people today think about it much more quickly than when I got married. I didn't know anybody who, when they got married, thought they were going to get divorced. Uh, How bad does it have to be? I think it has to be really bad. I think an abusive relationship is bad. I think being mean to one another on many levels, having complete different outlooks on how you should raise your children and it's Mm -hmm. becoming an issue and you're fighting over it all the time. I think money issues sometimes come into play and you can't survive together. Right, because Um, I imagine there maybe are some people out there who are like I'm unhappy but it's not that bad so we'll stay together you know and it's like is that the right decision or if you're unhappy leave 
Well, it depends on your circumstances. If you're just the two people and no family involved, like very often, very often you say, oh, it was a bad date and right. I, I move on. Once there are children involved in the, in the uh, triangle or mm-hmm. the uh, relationships, I, I think then you have to think it over very carefully and see where it falls. So yeah. I think without any further ado, we should talk to our guest host. Okay, guys, we are joined by Nancy Shemtob. She is a divorce attorney and family lawyer. Nancy, thank you for joining us. Thank you you for having me. It's an honor. So we met originally because I was B'nai Mitzvah with your son 10 plus 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Um, So that's how we met. But tell our audience a little bit, you know, where you're from, your current relationship status, your age, anything else they need to know. You. And you don't have to say your age. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Grandma. <laughs> I grew up in Lawrence, Long Island. I became a divorce attorney when I was 27. I started my own office. I've lived in New York City ever since. I have three boys, um, 26, 24, and 21. And I've been practicing matrimonial law since then. I have a law firm in New York City and in the Hamptons. We're a very busy practice. I am divorced and remarried. So I have three stepchildren and I have two little step-grandchildren that I just call my grandchildren. So you really are good for this podcast. This is a perfect (laughs) podcast for us. (laughs) I run the gamut. Yes. Um, So tell us the kind of cases that you normally deal with, maybe the age of most of your clients and kind of when they're going, when they really use you and your services. So to answer the question as to the age of when clients hire us, I would say predominantly in their 40s um, plus when somebody comes to me and they are in their 20s and they have no children and I just say it's a long date. Right. Exactly. And that, you know, just move on, get divorced. It's pretty easy. They might be fighting over, you know, who gets the computer and hopefully that's it. Right. Um, So that's the 20s. The 30s are busy, you know, starting families, having kids. And if somebody comes to me and says, I can't stand my spouse, he doesn't change the diapers. She doesn't do the shopping. I say, that's a fight. That's not a divorce. So that's Mm -hmm. always my goal for young couples who are in a relationship that it's very stressful. 40s is they're more, you know, the kids are older, everybody's in school and they're getting back to their life. And 50s is when everybody is pretty much, they know what life is like, raising children, what their marriage is like, what their spouse is like. And I would say 50s are probably the most um, contentious divorces and probably the most prominent in our office. Mm-hmm. Going with that, well, wait, wait, I don't want to. I don't want to exclude Grandma. I'm sorry. Then we have the '60s. <laughs> right. I was trying to say the right. '60s are a tough one because usually, you know, one person is in it and the other person's out, and right. that makes me sad. And same with '70s mm-hmm. and even '80s. I once had a client who divorced his fourth wife to remarry his third wife. <laughs> 
Oh my God. Oh, okay. That can happen. But why get divorced in the first place? Then? Why get married in the first place? <laughs> now, bringing it, Nancy, just a, a question, uh, and then we can start a, a, even a deeper thing in this. But what young couples today, what is the whole conversation about a prenup? I don't get it since I came from a generation where I don't think anybody had a prenup. Uh, I didn't know one person. Now it's a different era. Do you suggest it for young people who basically are starting a marriage to have a prenup and who should or should not have one? I personally have a bias against prenuptial agreements. Now my business partner, Josh Foreman, always says that I shouldn't. Um, I'm a believer in marriage. As I just told you, I'm remarried. I believe you go in with both feet. Right. And if it's a first marriage, why dictate what's going to happen? So let's just say in a first marriage where if somebody, let's just say you, Kim, you get married and obviously you are going to be incredibly successful. You get married and you have assets. Let's just say you own a house mm-hmm. and your, your fiance does not. Um, and has no money. So what you want to do is you want to protect your assets. So let's just say, so that's what would be the reason for a prenuptial agreement. But if you have money, but let's just say it's $50,000 and you want to protect that 50,000 and then you write this whole prenuptial agreement or a hundred thousand, or, you know, sometimes I even think a million dollars, is that what you're really going to start dictating right. a marriage on how right. much money really is the reason to do a prenuptial agreement. So what happens though, when you have a family fortune, let's say like your parents have a lot of money, but you might not. When you're getting married, is there risk to your parents of like somehow them losing that money or assets that you have in your family? Does that vary from state to state? That's a really good question. Um, Varying from state to state is definitely a fact. So let's just go straight to that. Uh, California is a community property state. So if you get married and you do not have a prenuptial agreement, it's Mm 50-50. So that's why when you read these celebrities that get divorced in California, it's usually the person who doesn't have the money who runs to California to get divorced. But in New York State, um, we have what's called equitable distribution. So what's fair? So what's fair is if I was working and I made, you know, we were married for one month. And, you know, I got this huge bonus for half a million dollars based on work I did prior to my marriage. My spouse in New York would not be entitled to that whole 50% of it. With family wealth, is there more of a desire maybe for people to get a prenup in that situation because they think that they're somehow their family could lose something in it? Absolutely. So I have a lot of clients who come in with their parents mm-hmm. and it's, it, that is really tough mm-hmm. because prenuptial agreements get dicey where you're planning this beautiful wedding and everybody loves each other. And then one in-law says, well, if you get divorced, you get nothing. And then the right. other in-law says, so it's a mess. It, start, it starts becoming a problem <laughs> among the relatives. But the way it works is that if your family has money, has assets, let's just say you own real estate and, you know, you're, you're involved in the family business and you're an owner, let's just say your parents gave you an ownership interest in that business just for tax purposes, you know, or you're in, what, for whatever reason, if your parents give you something and you're getting married and you've an asset that was a family asset that you have a piece of, whether it's cash or building or Bitcoins, your spouse would not be entitled to it because it's separate property. 
But if you commingle it, and that's the key, if you take, if your parents gave you a million dollars and you had it and they said, don't ever touch it, but then late, but then it appreciated because it was in the stock market. And then you could end up saying, well, that was a marital asset because my husband told me to buy Apple stock and I was able to trade in. So even though it's your parents' money or your family's money, Mm -hmm. what happens is if there's no prenuptial agreement and it is Mm commingled, then you're kind of stuck. So what happens is many, many people come to me and ask me exactly that question is how do I protect our wealth and how are we able to give it to our children without their spouse getting it? Mm -hmm. So the answer is to do a prenup then. And to state all of those things in the prenup. The answer is to do a prenuptial agreement or to do a family trust. Okay. Right. But this is when it's a lot of money, right, Nancy? We're not talking about, you know, for most of our viewers who don't, might not have any money, it's really not applicable. We're talking about really a a very small percentage of families who have this kind of wealth that it would matter. So Gail, what I will actually tell you is that you know, when I started this business, um, I was very young and I didn't have much money at all. And I just realized at that time, as I got older and older, um, to now talking like 35, I realized that everybody, every, and this is what I find most interesting about what I do for a living. And this does answer your question is how much money do you have and how much do you want to protect? If I have, if I make $30,000 a year, I go to sleep every night worried. If I make 300, I go to sleep worried. If I make 3 million, 300 million, because the more money that you have, you end up getting a bigger house. You end up sending your kids to private school. You end up getting, you buy the car, you lease the car, the second home, you know, and then you get to what you're talking about is the tremendous wealth, which are the airplanes. So the people with the tremendous wealth, I'm not that worried about. I look at everybody and we, we represent every single person who has no money and might spend it all, or, you know, or, you know, a teacher to a doctor to somebody very successful. So you want to protect your assets, no matter what they are. Okay. All right. So if your son came to you and said, I'm getting married and uh, uh, should I have a prenup? What would the answer be? Let's get, let's get any son, any son. (laughs) I'll be honest. I have three sons. One started a business and it's a successful business. And I actually, based on the circumstances that he's in, I think that he would get a prenuptial agreement because he's been working since college and he's now 25 and he, you know, has a viable business. And if he marries somebody and they come in and they want a piece of it, they would be entitled to it because that's what he's doing every day to earn a living. Okay. So that son, I would say yes, but he is dating somebody that I absolutely adore. So if it were her- then I will make an exception. (laughs) So I was just curious what you would tell the audience to tell their grandchildren or their children. I would tell them not to get a prenup if they don't have any assets. You you know what? If you're getting married, you want to walk down the aisle, have a big smile and hope for the best. And, you know, that's what I think so too. Marry for love and, you know, strong partnership it's not dictated by anything. If you have family wealth and they want you to do a prenuptial agreement, what I think at that point is you need to do the prenuptial agreement that is protecting the family wealth and not, 
you know, dictating your future marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. I love that you have such a positive outlook on marriage and on love, because I'm sure it can be very draining to see so many relationships, you know, getting split up and people in such a tough time, the toughest time in a lot of their lives. I think, how have you maintained such a positive attitude? I guess when people come into me is I never just look at them and say, oh, wow, this is great. They're getting divorced. Like I said to you before, I try to say, go to marriage counseling, right. spend the money that you would have spent on a retainer and go on a vacation. If you hate each other after the vacation, come back. Yeah. So I have, I, I believe that people just have fights and they have disputes and life's hard. And you, you know, people, it's the people that really, really don't get along seeing, you know, you know, they're just, COVID's been awful because it really brought out differences in people. It really did. It, you know, people don't really spend that much time together. And during COVID, you know, they were like, I can't believe that my, you know, wife, parents, the children like this, or my husband really isn't working as hard as he, you know, tells me, and I'm not making a living because of that. And, you know, so it's just, that's a whole other sideshow. Um, I'm a believer in going in with both feet and hoping for the best. So trust me, I've had some very, very, very sad cases. And I think COVID's made everything worse. As you say, it's really been depressing. Can you share a little bit if you have of like how much the divorce rate has gone up during the last two years during the pandemic? I don't have actual stats, but it feels like a third. No. Okay. That's That's a a lot. lot. That's a lot. (laughs) I mean, we've hired this past year more attorneys um, were swamped. Mm. You see more women coming into your your firm now than ever before, or is it, is it 50-50? I think law is a great job for women. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I would never say it's 50-50 as much right. as I would love to say that it's 50-50. Okay. I feel as if women do take off and, you know, there is so therefore it's not. Okay. Um, in my practice in matrimonial law, there seem to be more women than men as attorneys. That's interesting. When it comes to clients, do you see like a trend in similar behaviors across the genders when going through divorce? I do. It's funny because I always find that women and men are very different. And Mm -hmm. I can say this because as I, you now know, well, I have three boys, so (laughs) I don't feel like I'm being sexist at all, but I've, I've realized that men are very deliberate. They call up, they ask a question, they'll stay on the phone with you and they'll hang up and that's it. Mm -hmm. And a woman just like myself will call me up, ask the questions and then hang up. And like 15 minutes later, they'll call me back and say, Oh, can we go over this, 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 and that? And I mean, I do this even with my family, like I'll call up, I'll talk to them and then I'll hang up. And then I'll, and then my kids now say, and my husband are like, we just waited. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it could be a gender thing. I find um I find that it is very very different representing men than women. So, going back a little bit, what do you think the main reason is that people get divorced or at least that you see with your clients? Grandma Gail always says money, sex and children. No, I say se- yeah, money, sex and children. In that right? order. That's correct, in that order. Money, sex and children, that's true. That's exactly true. So, here's my story. I've, I've been doing this for so long and I love data. So mm-hmm. I find that the, the people who get married who were in high school and stayed together and then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, after years, they come in. And as soon as somebody says to me, 
I'm dating my high school sweetheart and I never dated anyone else. And, you know, I know it's over. Like mm. for me that, you know, obviously I like to keep everybody together, but I'll be like, okay, fine. Here's the retainer. And then the same with, and I hate to say this, but 35 year olds plus who everybody's getting married, they're not getting, they're not married. And all of a sudden they go on match or they get fixed mm-hmm. up with somebody or they just decide to marry their roommate. So what ends up happening, I find like the 35 year olds plus, um, what happens is, is that they just get married and it wasn't that like love, mm-hmm. you know? So it's the younger, because they thought everyone else is doing it. So I should too. And then, you know, you're in love and it's fun, but like, I know, so it's just those two groups for me have always been easiest when I represent them because they're either out of love or bored the younger when they were younger, or they never really had that love and passion and dating and all of that romance when they were older. So those cases to me are just like, they're just done. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are easier. So would you not recommend somebody rush into marriage with their high school sweetheart? Like did those often turn into divorce more than someone who's getting married when they're like 28, 29? I, I, yes. Really? Because I know a lot of couples who, those are the only ones that stayed married were the ones who met early on and stayed together. Well, it's not a rule, but it's not a rule, but they're, they're very rare. First of all, most, most romances don't stay from when they're 16 on, but, but a lot of the ones that did are still married, which that of my friends. Yeah, but that's just, you know what? I think it's because of, of your age. I the generation. Really, yeah. I definitely believe it's a generation thing because it, people your age are so much more traditional. Yes. And, yes. you know, you have this whole lifetime together. Now many older people getting divorced. Right. I mean, no, I, we just know. die. They just die off. <laughs> no, that's not true. They just die off. It doesn't, it, that's the, that's the general thing. No, it's interesting, Nancy, because when I first got married many, many years ago in the historic times, I, uh, we're the only ones that are still out of our original couples, seven couples. We're the only ones still married. They got hit. We got hit in the women's lib era. So those girls all left their husbands in the seventies, every single one of them. I'm the only one still standing. So, yep. Yep. My, the original couples we started out with in the sixties. So, you know, it was a time where it just women felt they were left out of the, uh, of the career pole and out of, out of everything. And uh, they changed their lives. And now the ones I see now that I met later in the eighties, all are still together. When you're in a relationship, is there a certain red flag you would tell people to watch out for that they might then think, you know, this could lead to divorce or even before they get married? Are there any red flags you would suggest? I think what, what I find very interesting is that when you meet somebody like you said, money, sex and children, children. Okay. When you get married and let's say no prenup, you're just in love and somebody works at Morgan Stanley and somebody, you know, works as a school teacher. You never, are you not, are you really sitting down and saying, so tell me what type of vacations you want to go on? Will you, when you ski, are you going to get a ski instructor? Are we going to go to, you know, do like three, assuming like they both are on the same page financially or not like, are you a spender or are you not a spender? Do you have credit card debt? Do you, you know, do you use your it's credit important. card? Do you shop at Costco and do you shop at Bergdorf's? Like those questions are so important 
religion's really important. You know, if you're not the same religion, are you going to go to Christmas? Are you going to go to Rosh Hashanah? Or are you go, or are you going to say, I'm not going? Right. You know, and a lot of people have a lot of fights about the in-laws. So, you know, that's another thing. You know, there are a lot of conversations that people don't have. Are you a saver? Money is one of the biggest stresses in a marriage. It really, really is. And, you know, the, the thing about lo- the law is that if marital assets, if you don't have a prenuptial agreement, people come to me all the time. Some of the smartest, smartest people, attorneys, I mean, I'm saying attorneys should know, but they'll come to me and they'll be, I had a client call me last week and they're like, so my wife has, you know, $2 million and I have $4 million. So I'm paying all the expenses, but I don't think it's fair. I'm like, no, no, no. You guys have $6 million and it's 50, mm-hmm. 50. Well, he never called me back. You know, <laughs> because He'd rather keep half of what he has, you know? So a lot of times people just stay reconciled and they're like, okay, I'm just going to continue to live this life and that's it. But I think it's very, very important. You know, do you, do you smoke pot? Do you, you know, what would happen if I cheated on you or you cheated on me? Would that be, what is the deal breaker? And I think that's what people really need to think about when they get married is what is the deal breaker? What would make us get divorced? What would I So interesting. I always kind of with the people I'm dating have a lot of those conversations just to see like how they would handle things, but never the, what's your deal breaker? I mean, how would you answer that? Oh, my deal. I would have a deal breaker. But yeah. I think the deal like breaker would be, a, a, would be certainly if, if somebody cheated on me or if I felt like cheating on them, then that means that I, there's something wrong with the relationship. Yeah. I just that wonder besides infidelity, break. if it's just like, you know, you- well, I think a deal breaker also is uh, gambling or, or, or addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that becomes an issue because can you live with that? Right. And uh, so I think all these things have to, are very personal. Mm-hmm. Um, I still say the argument over money is number one in my mind and then sex mm-hmm. so gail gail you you basically said what a big issue is so people think like my job's very sexy and i hear all these great stories and sometimes it's really really tough because i deal with i i would say there are five reasons people get divorced and one is infidelity boredom addiction is a huge one it's a disease yeah And you really need to deal with the disease and then people go to rehab and then they're constantly sniffing around or their drugs, alcohol, hiding, they're not hiding. And it's really hard. If that is, has to be one of the hardest things. And the other one that I I liked to forget, but when there are younger children who have issues. Mm -hmm. So if there's a child who is, you know, not mainstreamed or there's an issue with a child, parents have, I've seen over the years that that is one of the biggest traumas because that one, you know, the, like I said before, men and women treat things differently or parents treat things differently. Somebody might just say, you know, no vaccines, vaccines, right. you know, it's that simple. It used to be no vaccines where you would hear about it a lot in parenting or, you know, what's interesting is right now, you know, if somebody is kosher and then they get, you know, all of a sudden the other parent doesn't want to be kosher anymore. So mm-hmm. like I'm dealing with that issue right now in one of my cases. Um, and it's breaking them apart, but just raising children and that goes to the children. You know, another thing is, so what are your deal breakers? So I also, you know, have th- I've thought so much about this for so many years. So I think, and I can give Kim this advice, is what is more important than a deal breaker. What are the five things that you want in a relationship? And I think that's one of the most important things is, do you want somebody who is 
you know, a gentleman who's going to open a car door for you, or you, you would be like, oh, don't treat me like that because I don't want you to, you know, like all these different things is ambition important, is sense of humor important, is six, you know, financial success, or do you want somebody who's going to stay home and you'll be the, you know, breadwinner or whatever it is, is like, what do you want? You know, so I always would think about this. And then I would say, well, if somebody's 70, you know, and they're not ambitious, they're not going to become ambitious. Right. So, you know, what is it, you know, if you grow up traveling and you like traveling and the other person won't leave 61st street, you know, those are things you need to know. What are your goals in life? Mm -hmm. Cause I think also sometimes you can know what you want and then you meet someone and you're like, they're, you know, all these fun qualities and I love them. And then you forget what you want, but I'm sure like when that fades, you might want to split up because it's like those primary needs of what you wanted in a relationship were never met to begin with. So it's important, I think, to pay attention to those things things and not just be, you know, I'm a fool in love. I was going to ask you something because we were talking about this before. Do people, uh, lawyers suggest going to a psychologist or a family doc, you know, practitioner, whatever you call them prior to coming into you as a final thing? Do you have one on staff with you or while going through it or while going through it or someone in your office, in the law office itself? I always, I always recommend people go to therapy. I really do. I think it's, it's, you know, going through divorces, no, even if, even the couples that I, you know, the ones who just like, don't like each other and they fall out of love and, you know, it's still a stressor. Like Mm -hmm. they say what moving divorce and death are, you know, the huge stressors in life. You know, I think even healthy people benefit from a life coach, like a therapist. Okay. So I always, you know, I always tell people, I think, you know, they say it, I've heard it that like, divorce attorneys become the equivalent of a therapist. I could prescribe medication. Like when somebody <laughs> comes in and they tell me that, you know, their spouse is schizophrenic, I'm like, say, are they taking respital? They're anxious. Right. Off. Like I could go through the whole gambit of what type of medication. Um, and actually, you know what, that's another factor is that people do have mental illness and I deal mm-hmm. with people with schizophrenia. Right. And so, you know, there are so many other factors than just like everybody loves to hear the cheating stories. You right. Know? So on that, I guess, like, is there any last tip or advice that you had to kind of experience yourself personally to be able to learn? I feel like somebody put a kind of her on me um, and said like, okay, if you want to play in this, you know, sandbox, we're going to, you know, give you a horrible divorce, which I had. And it is, it's tough. I mean, you know, I would go into my office and speak to my partners and I'd be like, I want to do this, 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 and that. And they would say to me, like, we would never let a client do that. Right. You can't do that. <laughs> so it's so hard and it's so personal. And I'm a huge, huge meditator. I, my big, my most important thing I do every day is do transcendental meditation. So I would say that that's like my one piece of advice to anybody okay. is to learn TM and, um, and just keep, you know, have a lot of good friends by you. Sounds good. Nice. Well, Nancy, thank you so much for joining us. We, I, I feel like I learned so much. Well, you did. We Hopefully did. I won't have to go through it, but exactly. if I do, I know who to call. No, no, no. I get to interview your, your future spouse. Okay. Oh yeah. That's a great With idea. That's a deal. That's great. Let's do our 1950s movie of the week. Except for this week, we're going to go back a little bit to the forties. Okay. That sounds like fun. The Philadelphia story. Oh, that was, Classic that was really rom-com. great. Um, that was Catherine Hepburn, Cary Grant. They were really the stars of it. And basically it was about a woman who was married once before. 
she's getting married again her ex-husband comes the week that the wedding is happening and of course is trying to get her back and she must choose between a few of the men it's a very cute story it's a it's a true hollywood love story and it's well worth revisiting it yes good choice kim Okay, so you guys know where to follow us at Excuse My Grandma on Instagram and on TikTok. Email us your questions, questions at excusemygrandma.com, or write them into us on Instagram. We want to hear from you guys and have a great week. Bye. Bye.